So now on BBC Radio 4, it's a welcome return for an old friend. I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. We present I'm Sorry, I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us this week in Bristol, a fine city boasting a long and fascinating history. Bristol owes much to its maritime heritage. By the 14th century, the city was already trading with Spain, Portugal and Iceland, with ships returning laden with fine wines, intricate lacework and frozen peas. (laughs) Ships sailing from Bristol also founded new colonies in the Americas. John Cabot set sail in 1497 for Canada and began trading with the natives. The North American Indians gave his men fine jewelry of opals mounted in gold and silver, buffalo furs to make warm clothing, and quality tobacco leaf to be traded in Europe's markets. While in return, Cabot and his men gave them smallpox. With the Atlantic trade came grey squirrels, which have driven out the native red variety and overrun the whole of England except the Isle of Wight. Arriving here from America, the grey squirrel has the Latin name Sciurus carolensis. As it will be unfamiliar to listeners on the Isle of Wight, I should explain that America is a big country over the water. <laughs> We're going to get letters about that. (laughs) Just as soon as their postman has rowed ashore. (laughs) Bristol's prosperity was further assured by the spoils of the slave trade. This murky history is commemorated in the Bristol and Transatlantic Slavery Gallery, where visitors can experience what it was like to be herded into an overcrowded, stinking hulk to be terrorized by the crew. Alternatively, they can book a Ryanair flight. (laughs) With such a number of museums, it might be inferred that Bristol has an obsession with the past. (laughs) An impression which can only be reinforced when I say, let's meet the teams. (laughs) They are on my left, Barry Cryer and Graham Garden. (laughs) And on my right... Tim Brooke Taylor and Jeremy Hardy. And eager as ever to offer a helping hand when the team's points are on the up, please welcome our lovely scorer, the delightful Samantha. Okay, we start with a round of questions that were never asked, but which, if they had been, might have changed the course of history. So, teams, shall we just skip this and go straight to the pub? (laughs) That's one I should have asked in 1972. (laughs) 34 years. Time certainly flies when you're having fun. (laughs) I'm told. (laughs) Okay, teams, your suggestions, please, of history-changing questions. Barry, would you care to start, please? Um, Colonel Sanders... Will you tell me if this tastes like crap? If it does, I'll... 
right in. Florence Nightingale. Are you joking? Have you seen what they pay nurses? <laughs> Graham. And one from Moses. What should we go for, the milk and honey or the oil? <laughs> Jeremy. George Bush. This isn't really God speaking, is it? <laughs> Joan of Arc. Have you heard it's pissing down tomorrow? <laughs> Uh, Joseph in the Bible. What do you reckon, the many colours or the beige? <laughs> the three musketeers. Where are our muskets? <laughs> Charles I. Can you tell Cromwell I want an orderly transition? <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci. What are you grinning at? Amundsen to Captain Scott. But well, why don't you just come with us? George Bush Senior. Do you think I should have a vasectomy? <laughs> OK, the teams are going to sing for us now in the game called One Song to the Tune of Another. This is where... This is where the teams change songs by substituting different words, but this subtle modification can only be detected thanks to the keen sense of hearing possessed by humans. Early man believed he could improve his hearing by piercing the earlobe to hang a weight, thereby opening the auricular tube. And this is where the practice of wearing earrings came from, when a tribal chief would require his entire colony to have their ears pierced by a sharp point sterilized in a flame. Now, I know what you're thinking, teams. Who could possibly convince several hundred people they'd be better off having red-hot needles stuck in their ears? <laughs> At the piano, we have Colin Sell. Okay, we'll start with you, Barry. Would you sing the words of Tutti Frutti to the tune of Green Sleeves? Turn, Tim, would you sing the words of the theme to Wonder Woman to the tune of All Through the Night? Oh. <laughs> Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, all the world is waiting for you and the power you possess in your satin tights. <laughs> Fighting for your rights And the old red, white and blue 
Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, now the world is ready for you. Jeremy, now would you sing, or as near as you can get to it, <laughs> the words of Kung Fu fighting to the tune of memory? Who knows? Everybody was kung fu fighting Those cats were fast as lightning but it was a little bit frightening In They fought with expert timing They were funky Chinamen from funky Chinatown And finally, Graham. He said more. <laughs> Graham, would you sing the words of I taught I taught a puddy cat <laughs> to the tune of There'll Always Be in England? I live inside my birdcage, a hanging way up high. I like to swing upon my perch and sing my little song. But there's a cat that's after me and won't let me alone. I taught, I taught a pooty tatter creeping upon me. I did, I taught a pooty tat as plain as he could be. That pooty tat is very bad. He sneaks up from behind. I don't think I would like if I knew what's on his mind I have a strong suspicion That his plans for me aren't good Okay, okay, you can have the invasion plans We move on now to look at the world of TV and film. Last year, I'm given to understand, TV audiences were confused by a documentary on the Italian Renaissance, as they only knew Florence as a character in the Magic Roundabout. <laughs> he did. She must have appeared in lots of other things. So in this, the age of the 10-second attention span, the teams are going to compete to produce the shortest possible rendition of some well-known films, programs, etc. And Barry and Graham, you can start. Um, Romeo and Juliet. I love you. I love you too. I'm dead. So am I. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. Oh, bugger. <laughs> This is uh, is Brief Encounter. Hello. Hello. I've got something in my eye. Shall I get it out? Best not. I'm married. (laughs) 
Oh, there's my train. Goodbye forever. Goodbye. <laughs> um, it, war and peace. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> Reading uh, Lost. So, I expect there's a story attached to how you came to be getting this particular plane that crashed. Yes. Is it interesting? Not really, no, but I've... <laughs> I'll tell you at some point. What's that thing in the bushes? It's a metaphor for everyone's fear that they ever stop watching. Something will happen one week and they'll miss it. Ah. <laughs> the Matrix. What's going on here? God knows. <laughs> OK, in the next game, the teams are going to assume the roles of TV chat show hosts, like Davina McCall, whose recent series I was saddened to see. <laughs> Hang on, there should be a bit more than that. Oh, no, there isn't. <laughs> the round is called Robot Celebrity Interviews. Because of the reluctance of genuine celebrities to appear on their respective chat shows, the teams have been forced to use robot celebrity guests. The vocabularies of these robot guests are limited to no more than 15 words or phrases. The team's task is to try to keep the interview going as long as possible without arousing the audience's suspicions. <laughs> Tim and Jeremy, your robot celebrity guest is none other than the Prime Minister himself, the Right Honourable Tony Blair. Off you go. Mr Blair, you've just presided over appalling election results. Yeah, mm. well, you know. <laughs> and uh, everyone's asking you to retire. Yeah, mm. well, you know. And you've been caught out selling honours. Yeah, mm. well, you know. And you've uh, lost uh, most of your uh, cabinet. Excellent. <laughs> People will say that you sacked them to save your own skin. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm moving on to bird flu. I don't know how you get that. Well, what are you going to say when thousands of people are struck down by it? Oh, dear. <laughs> Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy. What? What is it, Prime Minister? I've never had this happen to me before. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm not worried about it, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, dear. Prime Minister. <laughs> Prime Minister, are you trying to change the subject? Education, 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 edu 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 education. Jeremy. <laughs> Prime Minister, many thanks. Oh, dear. Okay, your turn, Barry and Graham. Your robot celebrity is none other than John Prescott, MP, <laughs> Deputy Prime Minister, and and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and uh, Mr. Prescott. Oh yes. Uh, can oh, I'm sorry. Uh, please, you finish whatever you're doing. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Well, uh, oh yes. Well, uh, oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Well, uh, that's now finished. Ah. Uh, Mr. Prescott, you're uh, famous for your speaking style. Uh, could you describe it? It's just sheer nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you have several homes. 
who gets rid of your old mattresses for you? You know, the best tippers were always priests or nuns. <laughs> Who's your ideal date? I've always been turned on by trade union leaders, by ship owners, <laughs> by people in the other party. And how far do you think you should go on a first date? I've always been surprised to get as far as I have. <laughs> What's your best chat-up line? Can we just agree the terms? <laughs> the Sunday newspapers are after your story. I believe the uh, News of the World want it. And the people want it. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do you see your career going from here? That's now finished. <laughs> Did you do that again? I made that crap. <laughs> Finally, how do you like your eggs? <laughs> Thank you. We move on to the subject of public health and safety with a round of warning signs. One of the earliest that used to intrigue me was the railway sign that warned, a light other side, until one night in 1945 when our train drew into Dresden Station. <laughs> And just across the street from this theatre, there's a sign that says, Watch batteries fitted here. What kind of spectator sport is that? <laughs> I shall present the teams with the first parts of some of my favourite warning signs, which I'll ask them to finish off. We'll start with you, Barry. Can you complete this well-known sign? No animals were harmed in the... Making of this burger. <laughs> It's actually a making of this program. Oh. Now you, Jeremy, can you complete this sign? Warning, pregnant women, the elderly, and children should avoid... Jimmy Savile. <laughs> <laughs> this product, as you know. Tim, can you finish this one off? Park at your own... Oh, this is for all 4x4 four four drivers. Park at your own house. The answer is risk. Finally, Graham, can you finish this warning sign? In case of eye contact, flush bright red and leave urinal at once. <laughs> or with water. Barry, you again. Can you finish this one? Caution, remove infant before... Cutting cord. Well, the answer, it says here the answer is folding for storage. <laughs> Jeremy, here's another for you. Contents are ribbed for... Oh, we know. <laughs> the answer is your pleasure. Then you could go down that road. Tim again. Tim, ear defenders must be worn at all... Colin Cell Recitals. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> yes, that's the right answer. <laughs> and, Graham, if you do not understand or cannot read all directions, cautions and warnings... This is going to be rather lost on you. 
answer is do not use this product. Right, here are some warning signs for any of you to finish off. In the interests of hygiene, please do not exercise dogs in this font. <laughs> Country's area. Here's another one. Will patrons kindly refrain from running, pushing, acrobatics, or gymnastics, shouting, ducking, petting, bombing? During the two minutes silence. <laughs> the answer is swimming in diving area or smoking. Thank you. <laughs> and finally, if rash, irritation, redness, or swelling occurs, discontinue relationship. <laughs> Or, as it says here more discreetly, use immediately. Our next game is said to revive the art of letter writing. Long before the age of email and texting, there existed many ingenious forms of communication. The oldest lamp was developed to flash Morse code instructions between ships, with the result that one foggy night in December, a British destroyer found itself taking orders from the Bismarck's Christmas disco lights <laughs> and set off to attack the YMCA. Okay, in an attempt to revive the noble art of letter writing, each team will take turns to improvise correspondence between two famous historical figures. However, the challenge is that the letters must be constructed by each panelist, alternating one word at a time. Okay, we'll examine the lost correspondence between Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham. And you can start us off on this one, please, Barry and Graham. This is Robin Hood writing to the Sheriff, is it, to start with? How do I know? I don't go around reading other people's correspondence. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yes. yeah. Dear. <laughs> abound. <laughs> Dear, abound. <laughs> In the forest, you yes. fool. In Sherwood Forest, I hope you will pop round and see four of them as we frolic and swing through the afternoon. And after that, we could perhaps indulge in a little bit of Freemasonry. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Regards to your good king and to the lovely wife of your immediate <laughs> neighbour, <laughs> Guy of Forks. <laughs> Cheers must go Robin. Yeah, Robin. I 
hope that this is the last time I shall have the honour of spitting in your tea. <laughs> I detest such thieving, frolicking, egalitarianism, <laughs> Freemasonry. My father, Tommy, <laughs> said to me, Oi, you twat, <laughs> what the hell are, are you doing over there in Nottingham while I am stuck here in London? Richard wants to kill all of your slimy green <laughs> but attractive <laughs> to him and me so what <laughs> do you think of this letter answer on a fax <laughs> which I have invented <laughs> recently <laughs> by forever <laughs> sheriff well it's very nearly the end of the show but there's just time to squeeze in a round of curry house songbook Samantha tells me she has to nip out now as she's off to meet a gentleman friend at an Indian restaurant down by the canal. She says there's nothing beats chewing on a tasty bhajee. <laughs> so, so, teams, your suggestions, please, of songs likely to appeal to Indian restaurant <laughs> enthusiasts. Graham, will you start, please? Rock around the flock, wallpaper. <laughs> Barry? The curry with the fringe on top. Dim? The funky chicken tikka masala. <laughs> Jeremy? Let's face the music and Danzak. <laughs> I don't need onion bhaji, I just need some bhaji to love. <laughs> Move over, Dal. Timey, timey vindaloo dance. <laughs> Girlfriend in a coma. Oh. Blowing in the wind. Ring of fire. <laughs> How much is that doggy in the wind? <laughs> Stand and deliver within a two-mile radius. <laughs> Stand by your nan. <laughs> Pillow talk. I'm a pink toothbrush, you're a king prawn biryani. <laughs> <laughs> and so, ladies and gentlemen, as the grandfather of time passes peacefully away in his sleep, while his 350 passengers scream in terror. <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show, so from the team, Samantha, myself, and the fine folk of Bristol, it's goodbye. 
Barry Cryer, Graham Garden, Jeremy Hardy and Tim Brooke Taylor would be given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson, and the producer was John Naismith. And Humph and the teams will be back at the same time next week.